the Darth Vader-like image of video games sucking the psychic life out of young teenagers was ratcheted down a number of notches as the American Medical Association's House of Delegates held up stop signs to those who wanted to classify ardent video gamers as suffering from a psychiatric illness. Ed Sussman, United Press International. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Join me, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and my guest, Dr. David Walsh, as we discuss the insidious, addictive nature of video games. Dr. Walsh is a licensed psychologist and president of the National Institute on Media and the Family, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is a leading authority on family life, parenting, and the impact of media on children. He is on the faculty at the University of Minnesota, the author of several books, and is the spokesman for the American Medical Association's Media Violence Campaign. Good day, Dr. Walsh, and thank you again for joining us. Nice to be with you. Thanks for having me. Why in the world would anyone classify a normal childhood diversion as an addiction? Well, when it starts to look like an addiction, (laughs) I think that's the quick answer. What makes an addiction versus a dependency versus just fun? Well, you know, the, the word addiction is, is a controversial word because there, there are some uh, in the scientific community who want to reserve the word addiction to just talk about substances like alcohol or cocaine, things like that. There are others uh, who believe that addictive behaviors like gambling, they have all of the behavioral trademarks of an addiction, so they should be called an addiction. And, and so it is a controversial term. I think that clearly what we are seeing is that for some video game players, and I, I underline the word some, because the research would indicate that maybe anywhere between 7 and 14% of video game players start to display the behaviors that are typical of a physical addiction. In other words, if you were to take the dsm 4 criteria for alcohol dependence and you were to erase the word alcohol and put in the word video game, what you would find is that as many as one out of seven video game players have many of those behavioral symptoms. Do they go through withdrawal? Uh, some of them do, absolutely. I mean, there are video gamers who, when they're not playing the game, they're thinking about it. Uh, there are video gamers who spend a lot of time at work playing video games. How large a problem is this? What percentage would you say of video gamers would qualify under your definition of an addiction? We did a research project. Uh, When I say we, I mean the National Institute on Meeting the Family. We did a research project two years ago on junior high and senior high students. So these are kids between the ages of like 12 and 17, 18. And what we found in that survey is that almost 14% of the kids... Uh, reported behaviors that would be similar to an alcohol or a cocaine dependence. Uh, Other surveys uh, have come up with a number a little bit less than that. I've seen one study that put it at 9%. Probably somewhere in the 1 out of 10, 1 out of 11 gamers, it starts to really interfere with the rest of their life. In other countries, now this is interesting because the games that seem to be most, quote, addictive are what are called massively multiplayer online role-playing games. So what that means is this. Those are the games that people play online with other players on teams, or they're often called guilds, and those players could be anywhere in the world. What about fantasy football? Does that fall in that category? Uh, no, I wouldn't put it in that category because uh, fantasy football is is not so much an ongoing, you know, where I'm together 
you know, playing with people for hours on end. So a game like World of Warcraft is the type of game that I'm talking about, or EverQuest. Uh, these are games where very, very elaborate, literally hundreds of thousands of players playing on, at any one time. And I and my teammates can be engaged in a mission uh, in that game that can go on for hours and hours. And those are the games that tend to be more addictive. Now, those games really are best played when we have very, very high-speed Internet access. So in the countries where they have high-speed access more readily available than we do in the United States, then we're seeing this addiction problem, in quotes, unquotes, grow uh, very quickly. South Korea, as an example. I was in Seoul, South Korea, late last summer, last September, the South Korean government has already established 40 government-sponsored treatment programs for what they call video game addiction. And what happened is that the problem that some players have just mushroomed when wireless high-speed access became available throughout the country. In the United States, for example, see, we think we're the technology leaders of the world, and actually we're not. Uh, countries like South Korea, Japan, have internet access speeds much higher than we do in the United States, which makes those games much easier to play. Are they taking any steps to try and tame this epidemic? Yes. When I was in Korea last September, it was a hot topic of conversation. Uh, and representatives, uh, to give the listeners a little bit of background, uh, Seoul, South Korea, the government of South Korea actually uh, sponsored a conference last September, first international conference on Internet safety. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be selected to represent the United States at this conference. And uh, when I arrived at the conference, one of the hot topics, not the only one, but one of the hot topics that particularly Asian countries were uh, talking about was video game addiction. That came as a bit of a surprise to me because in the United States, that really hasn't gotten on the radar screen of very many people up until, of course, recently when the American Medical Association certainly put it on the radar screen. Did the AMA chicken out or were they being politically correct or was it appropriate to refer this issue for further study? I, I think that they made the right decision. So you would not have backed down? No, I wasn't surprised by the outcome, and I was actually pleased by it. I was pleased for two reasons. One is that I think the AMA's discussion of it at the House of Delegates made it a legitimate issue to talk about. And I think that that's important because I think it is a problem for some people. Uh, I think the, the the outcome of their discussion, which was to call for more research, was exactly the right decision because we do need to learn a lot more about it. But giving it a kind of a legitimacy hopefully will lead to some of that research so we do learn a little bit more about it. Sherlock Holmes said, It is a capital mistake to theorize before one has data. Insensibly, one begins to twist facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. Mm -hmm. At the AMA convention, Dr. David Fassler, a child psychiatrist and a delegate from the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, stated, quote, there are no data to support the video game addiction hypothesis, unquote. How do you respond to this? I, I think he's wrong. Uh, I don't think there's enough data 
I would agree with him that we need to study it more. I don't, I, as I mentioned, I think the AMA resolution of this was correct. But to say that there's no data is not correct. He must not be aware of some of the studies which have been done and which have been published. Could you tell us about a couple of them? Uh, some of those studies, uh, there's been a study done in Italy. There have been studies done in Japan. There have been some studies done in the United States. We've been involved in some of the studies. And so to say that there's no data, uh, I, I, I think... I think it would be accurate to say there's not enough data to draw any firm conclusions, but to say that there's no data is just not accurate. What should a doctor tell a parent or the child? What are the warning signs that the child may be becoming addicted to video gaming? When video game playing starts to crowd out other legitimate activities, so when grades start to suffer, when social relationships start to suffer, when there's constant arguments and fights about how much game playing is going on, when kids lie about how much they're playing, when kids react with a tremendous amount of anger and resentment, when uh, parents try to put any limits on the game playing. I think those are some of the, you know, some of the signs and symptoms that should really be warning signals for parents. In one of the articles I read that you had written, there was something you called the I'd rather test. Do you still subscribe to that? And could you explain it to the docs that are listening? You know, it's not a sophisticated scientific test, but it's a good kind of common sense test. You know, when I'd rather be playing video games then and then fill in the blank. When video games start to be the winner in the I'd rather choice, you know, more and more, then that doesn't necessarily mean addiction, but it certainly means something that I should start to pay attention to. When I'd rather play a video game than eat, when I'd rather play a video game than sleep, then I'd rather play a video game than be with my friends, then I'd rather play, you know, if pretty soon the video game wins all the I'd rather tests, then you're starting to say, it. you know, it's kind of one of the most important things in my life. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, an addiction, but it, it means that I should start to kind of take a look at it. Addiction often implies actively seeking a substance as opposed, again, to a dependency where you just sort of require it. It implies a deviousness. Does that also apply to a video game addiction? And- For some video gamers, absolutely. I have talked to... Uh, It was really interesting. I talked to, I did an interview on this on Wisconsin Public Radio about a month ago. And I described at the beginning of the interview, you know, kind of the signs and symptoms. Then they opened it up for callers. The second call was from a man, married man, father of children. I think he said he had two children. And he said, I've just been listening to your discussion, and I have every one of the behavioral traits that Dr. Walsh talked about. And then he went on to say, he said, I will admit to you that I wait until my wife is asleep. Then I get up and play video games all night. Then I go to bed before she wakes up, and then I drag myself to work tired and half asleep. And he said, I do that more often than I'd like to admit. Well, I guess it's healthier than looking at pornography on the Internet. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other, that's a whole other uh, topic, and for some people, a real addiction. What, all I could say is, what does that say about American society and, and, and our culture? It's so disheartening. You know, I, I think one of the things that all of us have to figure out You know, I heard someone say recently that there are two big challenges for America in the 21st century. Terrorism, everybody would agree with that. Uh, Global warming, more and more people agree with that. And then the third, he said, is that we have to figure out how to use this technology that's developing. And I think that that really is a challenge. 
all of this technology, whether it's video games, whether it's the Internet, whether it's the computer, it's all very, very exciting. And it has tremendous benefits. I don't think anyone would deny that it has benefits, but it can also have downsides. And if we're going to really take advantage of this technology as the century progresses, we're going to need to figure out how to maximize those benefits while minimizing the harm. In a nutshell, because our time's coming to the end, do you have a take-home message for the audience? I would say for physicians, video game addiction, whether you want to call it an addiction or not, it is a serious problem for a lot of people. And so I wouldn't poo-poo it. I would encourage physicians to encourage parents to make sure that they've got rules and family rules about video game before it gets out of hand. My experience in working with families is that it's much easier to keep the genie in the bottle than it is to get the genie back in the bottle once it's out. Thank you very much, Dr. David Walsh, for being my guest today. We have been discussing video game addiction. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Please send your questions and comments by email to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.